Singing with a choir becomes a very unfortunate euphemism when we have a choir at Christmas time. True. Not the uh, not the same thing. No. Ahoy, everybody. Ahoy. Getting a little throat's getting a little scratchy. That's because you need to be hydrated. George, well, no, George was sick. Real for, life George was sick. George was sick for a couple of days, and then he bounces back in like twenty four hours, right? and yeah. then I get sick for three weeks. So it's fantastic. But look at how strong your immune system is becoming. My immune system challenges. is hot garbage. My immune system is a dumpster fire. It's just not there. So have to take your balance of nature. Yeah, <laughs> I do try to stay hydrated, but. Coffee, co coffee, coffee and Diet count. Pepsi count. So. <laughs> sort of the opposite, I'm especially the Diet Pepsi. Constantly caffeinated. Filling and you with carcinogens. But, yay. You know. but, something's but you got the itself. antioxidants in the coffee to right. offset that. Right? Out, so. And I drink dark roast. It's all good. Sorry. Is this what you came for? Um, hi. We're, we're not this at our This podcast is a blessing and a burden. Hey, that's true. It's not a burden. <laughs> not um, for us. Not it's for a burden us. for anybody listening. Well, you listening. know what? You don't have to listen. Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. Except, you are required. Except for the five people we're paying. <laughs> it, it, uh, <laughs> it is required. You must listen. Um, yeah. We're Big, at, Big we're Brother at, says you must listen. We're not at our usual time, as you can tell, if you're, if you're listening. Wait, we have time. a usual time? You know, the time we usually stroll in here and say, hey, let's do something. Um, it's afternoon. Maybe that's why we're a little more animated. Something. A little more loosey-goosey. I've been uh, nursing several cups of coffee on my drive this morning, so it's all It's definitely it's all well past morning, sir. <clears throat> Mid-afternoon. Yes. Most of my driving was in the morning. Mm. Where so. do you go to... Take the sheeps. Uh, this one was Syracuse, Indiana. Ah. Got a couple of couple of processing centers that we use. This I is didn't know that you one. did that with sheeps. Well, we generally don't. That may be an area we go in the future, but uh, we generally sell beef. This is uh, my mom's. I I like so. lamb a lot. I, I do not. You don't? No, I do. Not. I'm a lamb chop girl. Gabriel does. I like he, lamb. he likes Greek stuff. A yes, lot. and I like lamb burgers. He's a, he's a big Euros guy. Shepherd's pie, so, all that jazz. Yeah, good stuff. I learned recently that you can only call it a shepherd's pie if it's made with lamb. Did not know that. If it's made with ground beef, you have to call I've it a cottage of, pie. I've had a number of different things called called shepherd's pie, none of which had lamb that I know of. So. You've been lied to. Um, so many times, <laughs> in so many ways. Welcome to Lamb I'm Talk. from the government, and I'm here to help. Mm -hmm. But sorry, that probably little, was. Little Ronnie Reagan. I love it that you know that. So. I know. I, I know a lot of things about Ronald Reagan. That's good. I knew him well. That's good. That's before good. Before my birth. Um, yeah. He, no, he was alive he when left, I was alive. He left office the year you were born. Oh. And it all went down. <laughs> I was born. He said, Ugh. I've heard that. <laughs> JK. I got to get out of here. JK. Um, yeah. Anyway. Also the year. Johnny Cash is, and I share. Also the year birthday. that I was married. I did oh. not know that about I mean, not in the Johnny same Cash. year, but a little bit different in age. Yeah. Same day, so yeah. I'm. I'll, that's my claim to fame. Anyway, right. we've wasted time. Let's talk a about a lot of claims to fame. <laughs> we have more zero point zero more high school nicknames for sure. None of them are good, but <laughs> some of them are borderline inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> well, blessing and burden was my nickname in high school, so there you go. <laughs> that <I'm... laughs> oh man, <sighs> we should do afternoons more. <laughs> Yeah. We should do a, a midnight show at some point. That'd be but. fun, like if we did like a live event. Fun for who? Well, not for me. I'm in bed. Everyone <laughs> thinks I'm in bed by 6 p.m., right? but whatever. That was before you had a kid. Right? Even then, I wasn't like a night owl because I like being up early. Anyway. Stacy was the old rock and roll girl who went to bed at 7. It's so. true. 
It's true. And my, in, and my pre-show back meal. Back when you were playing playing shows in the bars. Playing shows. Did, you ever, did I tell you my pre-show meal? No. Was it blueberry pancakes? Because <laughs> no. that would be awesome. It was so sad. For anybody because... who doesn't know, Stacey recorded a song called Blueberry Pancakes. 25 years ago. But it was um, not her pre-show meal. No. But it was sad because like I would play with people that were in bands. and So they'd all like travel together and whatever. And mm. it was just me. And which was probably stupid because I was like a young girl going places by myself and I shouldn't have. Don't do it, kids. Um, but my pre-show. I'll, I'll just not say anything. <laughs> my pre-show meal was always, and I eat it in my car on the way there. It was a Subway sweet onion chicken teriyaki sandwich and two Hostess cupcakes and a Diet Pepsi. This is, other than the Diet Pepsi, I could ride with that. But, but isn't that a little sad? Anyway, it was a blessing. And a why, why would that be sad? Other than the Diet Pepsi, which is What's sad. wrong with Diet Pepsi? It's Diet Pepsi. It's sweeter. I mean, it's fake sweet, it's but gross. it's sweet. Anyway. My family all disagrees with me. They all drink Diet garbage, but, okay. you know. My, I know, I know your sister drinks family. Diet Dew. My household does not, but. Mm. I know your sister drinks Diet Dew. I don't think so. anybody in my of my any of my children drink diet stuff unless it's the only to thing me at this eat. point if i drink regular it just tastes like I tell my mom this tastes too. like fizzy water she's like i, I don't want it yeah. it's gross yeah anyway <laughs> has anyone <laughs> listened to anything that they uh are wanting to chime in about yet so <laughs> you did start anchor right so, i did start anchor so we actually, so we have actually the, have are doing so and we've been on for five minutes right, so we, we better go. get going let's rock and roll so we are in Numbers uh, chapter 17 and 18. I almost said 19 because I'm working in 19 this week. But, uh, and you don't know and, how to do it, you said. Uh, <laughs> getting a clearer picture as we go. <clears throat> but uh, I, you know, I was listening uh, listening to the sermon, kind of reviewing game, game film here. Uh, and it's gotten easier, especially when I listen to it on an increased speed. When uh, If I listen to it faster, then it doesn't sound as much like my own voice, and I kind of forget who it is. Same thing with our podcast. I'll listen to it fast. So it's Heidi not Heidi does that too, and then it sounds Heidi like... listens to it on double speed, oh, so that you... everybody oh. sounds like Ben Shapiro on uh, when he's hypercapping. I'm like, it's like right? a Gilmore Girls episode. It's like, <laughs> and, and she can't like she can't listen to anything else. But Heidi's always been fast. Like when yeah. you know she did everything fast when, when we were young. I would get in trouble for doing it too slowly and too thoroughly, and she would get in trouble for not doing it thoroughly. And Jeff enough, was just perfect, but she would get it. Jeff didn't do anything. <laughs> just he was the youngest; he didn't have to do anything because well, it was just perfect. Uh, <laughs> but just kidding, Jeffrey. We know that eventually you were the only one left. So um, anyhow, I'm the youngest too, I guess. And anyway, so uh, just as I was listening to the stuff, one of the things that's gotten easier because I hate it. I, I would force myself to listen, but I hated it. Um, but it's easier now to 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 just focus on the content and forget, you know, that, oh, wait, that's, right. that's us, right. that's me, whatever. Anyhow, uh, as I was going through listening to it, it, it just kept striking me over and over why it was so long, for one. It was, <laughs> was not it still that an hour at double speed. We're, we're you know, we, we, we expect about an hour, right. but it, it was uh, longer than I anticipated. And I... I mean, the amount of material that I cut out to get it to mm. that was kind of astonishing. Uh, we probably could have done three or four weeks at least on the section that we did this mm. this past week. Um, <clears throat> but we did 17 and 18 together rather than just doing 17 and then looking at 18. And the reason for that is because the the affirmation of Aaron. So for anybody who didn't catch it, I won't take the time to read it because that was the majority of the sermon, I think, was reading the text. Uh, so what happens in 
in Numbers chapter 17 is following Korah's rebellion when God uh, judges those who um, usurped the priesthood or tried to usurp the priesthood uh, and consumed Korah and his immediate team there. Um, you swallow, swallow them up in the, in the earth. Ground opens up. Goodbye. Um, and then the 250 leaders that joined them and followed them were consumed by fire. The censors uh, God set apart as holy had Eliezer, Aaron's son, uh, take those censors out of the ashes, remove the ashes from the camp as unclean, and then uh, <clears throat> pound the uh, pound these metal censors into sheets that they would overlay the altar with. So that would serve as a reminder then of, of this judgment uh, to those, um, to the people going forward. So in chapter 17, now rather than the judgment, the focus is on the affirmation of Aaron as priest. So God has already established this, but, but in settling the matter, uh, he, uh, he has the 12, uh, speaks to Moses, has the, the leaders of the 12 tribes bring a staff representing each tribe with the name of the leader on the staff. And then Aaron's name is on the staff for the tribe of Levi. He takes the staffs, puts them before the tent of meeting, before the testimony. And um, then the next day, Aaron's staff has sprouted, budded, blossomed, produced ripe, ripe almonds overnight from this dead stick. Um, and so in this, which was my nickname in high school, nice in this, in this resurrection of sorts, uh, God affirms his chosen servant. So we can see the type there, the typology of Christ, uh, who is God's chosen servant affirmed, uh, in, in that resurrection. So as Jesus is resurrected, he proves in that who he said he was, who he claimed to be, proves that the, uh, that the sacrifice uh, was sufficient and accepted. And so he was raised for our justification in that way. And it's the, uh, the ultimate mark of his authority. In the same way, <clears throat> in a lesser way, because it's a type looking forward, uh, we see this resurrection type event that is the affirmation of Aaron's authority, delegated by the Lord. His authority was not in himself. It was as God's chosen servant in this role. So that's the picture of what's going on there. And at the end of, of chapter 17, at the end of this, uh, this affirmation, the people are terrified. They're like, we're all going to die. This is a horrible thing, <clears throat> which you know struck me as very peculiar since after God swallows up Korah and burns up the 250 uh, leaders uh, who rose up against Aaron, they did not seem to be terrified. Instead, they're grumbling at that point against Moses and Aaron, right. saying, you've, you've killed the Lord's uh, people here. So uh, in, in, the, in this astonishing turn of events, God, in what, by you know, human comparison, this seems like a much less dramatic. You know, it's nobody's dying. There's no fire. There's no earthquakes or anything. It's a kind of a quiet resurrection. It's, it's life from death. Um, but the people then are, are like, whoa, what's going on? And so we see uh, this dynamic shift. Then directly into chapter 18, which again, the, the chapter breaks are added by humans later on to help us find our way around. They're not 
uh, what God inspired. They're not uh, what the author wrote. It's just breaking it up so that we don't have to, you know, find our way on the scrolls, right. you know, and so on. We don't have uh, have it um, just as one long narrative. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so in chapter 18, then we see God giving uh, Aaron, uh, the, the priesthood, responsibility for sins against the sanctuary and, uh, and Aaron's house in particular. The Levites are charged with uh, responsibility for the sanctuary and Aaron's house is charged specifically with the priesthood. And then we see the compensation that God gives to them so that uh, the ministers are are paid, if you will, they're provided for by the ministry. So Aaron and his family, um, they receive a portion of uh, what's given to the Lord. So what's given to him, uh, what isn't consumed in fire goes to Aaron and his descendants. Uh, the Levites receive the tithes. And so they, um, they take a tithe of the tithe and give to Aaron's family as their act of worship. So all of these things coming together give us some some pretty clear pictures about um, God's chosen servant and how God handles leadership. And one of the things that that we really don't want to miss is the overarching theme, which has been the case, the overarching theme of God's sovereignty. Mm -hmm. God himself is the one who chooses uh, his leaders. He, he, And that's our core reality. The Lord assigns the roles, responsibilities, and rewards for those who serve him. Uh, Moses and Aaron, and this is kind of the big deal, and one of the reasons that this becomes a terrifying thing, up until the end of chapter 16, even with God directly acting, the people still seem to have this impression that this is Moses and Aaron doing these things. Moses and Aaron taking on powers, if you will, that, that they have chosen this role, they've taken on this authority. Um, and now in chapter 17, yes, <laughs> keeping track of the chapters here, uh, keep in, in chapter 17, it becomes clear to them, at least for the moment, it appears to be clear to them, whoa, wait a minute. This isn't Aaron. This is God. Right. This is just God choosing Aaron. And now we're terrified because we can't come by the sanctuary. And and it's funny that they say that. <coughs> Pardon me. And you said you have a scratchy throat. I'm the one that's coughing. You're also talking more than I am, so... And highly smile and nod, boys. So as we're as as we see this happen, right? They they have this terror, saying, you know, are we all going to die? Anybody who goes near the sanctuary is going to die. Right after God says, this settles the matter, so that they won't die, right. so that they can get it, they can uh, follow this authority. Clearly, we recognize the people still will have rebellious hearts. They're still going to, to go through all of these things, and that'll come up as we go along. Uh, in, in very short order here, we're going to have a, a big, like a 35, 38-year fast forward in the story. But throughout this time, the people still have rebellion. And even the new generation that will enter the promised land still is going to struggle with this rebellion. Even... You and I right. still struggle with this rebellion. Whenever our, whenever our minds and hearts are governed by the flesh, by our our pride, our sin, then then there's an innate resentment of God's sovereignty, which is why we in our day so passionately worship the idol of free will. I'm not suggesting that God didn't give us brains to make choices and doesn't give us a, a will, a freedom within the parameters of his sovereignty. 
But we are so married to the idea of free will that we have to be in charge. We have to make these decisions. And, and I see this with Christians all the time where, where we are very quick to say, oh, God's in control. God is sovereign. You know, all these things. God is good all the time and all, all these different things that allude to his sovereignty until it comes time to actually address the idea of free will. Well, God, God can't do anything unless you choose, unless you believe it, you know, all these kinds of things. Well, that's totally contrary to everything that we see in the scripture, including the act of salvation. If we if we really believe that God chooses us because we choose him, which I can't even say it with a straight face. If we really believe that that the uh, the effectual act, the the agent of our salvation is our free choice to believe, then then salvation runs contrary to every other thing that God does in the history of the universe ever. Mm -hmm. And we see this over and over again. And so, well, what about sin? Okay, we can continue to, to try to break down things, but the bottom line of it all is God, if he is sovereign at all, he is sovereign overall. Mm -hmm. There is no in-between. You cannot be sovereign as God and have gaps in your sovereignty. Right. And so... And we, we see that picture over and over again where God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Well, that can't be true. Why? Because we don't like it. Right. We, we, but the scripture says this. Therefore, and God never shies away from that. I'm getting a little bit off, off topic here, but, but this is kind of the root of, of all this rebellion is the question of authority. Who gets to be in charge? And so in this, uh, in this particular chapter, chapter 17, with the the I was listening to to some pastors discuss this and they called it Aaron's Almond Joy. It was in the, the Nine Marks Bible Talk podcast, which I really appreciate. So very good podcast, highly recommended. If anybody wants to check it out, uh Bible Talk by Nine Marks. Um a couple uh Sam Amati, I'm trying to remember the other fellow's name I know and I'm not thinking of it. Jim it's escaping me. Anyway, uh two two pastors and a host who is uh, less trained, I, I, you know, and so it's good to have those right. dialogues, those conversations. Anyhow, uh, as you're talking about it, the Aaron's almond joy sticks in my head. Um, Sometimes you feel like I'm not. But I think realistically, the way we see this hitting and the tone of how 17 rolls into 18, uh, I, I'm sure there is a joy mm -hmm. in Aaron in this affirmation. Well, how can there not But be? there's a humbling. Right. That you know, there, there's no way for you to hear this and not not be humbled by it. In fact, that's kind of the point of this blessing and burden idea, and why we did the two chapters together is that yes, the Lord affirms His calling, but He affirms His calling by evidence of life and growth and fruit. And He does this clearly in the metaphor with the staff, but in those that God's called into leadership, in particular. Uh, even in the church, we see there, there has to be an evidence, a, a clear evidence that um, the profession of faith is more than just a profession, mm -hmm. that it's a, a confession from the heart. And, and if we don't see that evidence of new life, well, then leadership is a non-starter. It, it, it doesn't matter how gifted a person is. And I've seen it, it, it's almost... Um, you know, it's almost a, a proverbial thing when we look back over church history and see the number of unregenerate, unconverted people, even in in uh, in high positions in the church, 
and that's how we end up with such apostasy very often. It's, there's there's a certain amount of false teaching that comes through error mm -hmm. from converted people who get things wrong. Mm -hmm. That that is feasible. But then there's the unrepentant heresy that goes on and the corruption that takes place when you have people who don't know the Lord in charge of the Lord's house. That's that's a dangerous thing. Anyway, so if we don't see evidence of life, if we don't see evidence of growth, of increasing maturity and stability, if we don't see production of fruit, <clears throat> then we need to be we need to be aware that that's how God affirms His calling, uh, uh, and we don't have a theology of ordination uh, in in our practice. But those who do, that's part of the process in, in every every ordination process that I've heard is to to find evidence and testimony of the of this calling through life and growth and fruit and we see that here with Aaron but it's not just that the evidence is there it's that the evidence has to be clearly seen it's, it, it needs to be agreed upon by the people so nobody here has any doubt at this point and they may have up until chapter 17 questioned whether Aaron and Moses were really the leaders that should be there. But God makes it very clear in 16 and 17 and 18, as if he hadn't already, Right. you know, things like burning bushes and, you know, the parting the Red Sea, all that kind of stuff probably should have given you an indication, but now they're getting it and they're terrified because now, you know, Moses brings the staffs out. He says, look, for, look for yourself. Here's the evidence of God's affirmation of Aaron on the staff that represents his authority. And we'll see that come up again uh, in chapter 20, uh, this evidence of, of um, or this representation of authority in the staff. <clears throat> but the evidence is, it's clearly seen by God's people. And in it, the authority that you hold as a leader is not yours. As, as pastor, I don't have any authority in myself. Have only the authority that's delegated by the Lord and affirmed by the church, by the Lord's people. So the, the authority of the minister doesn't extend beyond what is clear from the word. So the, the preaching of the pulpit is is not uh, it's not sacred because I said it, therefore it must be right. We need to always be holding every preacher, every author, every every person that we're hearing on the radio or the TV or TikTok or whatever. We need to be holding them accountable, looking at God's word, like the Bereans in Acts 17. We, you know, they they were considered noble because they tested everything Paul said. They didn't just accept it; they accepted it after they confirmed it according to God's word. And if it matched what the Scripture said, good. And if not, you're out of here, buddy. And so the reason they accepted the gospel that Paul was presenting is they could find it in the scriptures. That's a pretty big deal. And at that time, they're reading the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament yet. So they're reading the Old Testament and seeing that this gospel presentation that we see throughout the book of Acts, as, as Peter and Paul and the apostles are spreading this, it lines up with what God had always said from beginning to end. So there's, there's no change there, but the uh, the appointed servant that, that God has wields God's delegated authority within God's delega delegated role, within his designated role. If it's not what God has put into this role, you don't have any authority. Simple as that, which is why we have to continue to make sure that, that we are holding leadership accountable. 
Every pastor needs to be held accountable by a plurality of elders. The elders need to be held accountable by the people. There is no, you don't get a pass. You get, you know, you get to this level and then you just, you wield the scepter right. kind of thing. Well, I think so. we're in a place where, you know, you, you, we've talked before about, you know, mega churches. Right? I'm, I'm not saying there's a problem with that, but a lot of these pastors have become quote unquote celebrities right. yeah, in their own right, you know? And because of that, um, I, I, obviously, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes in their churches. or like, if, if, Eventually it comes out what's going well, on. Well, yeah, we right. But I'm saying they reach such this status of celebrity yeah. that nobody is really fact-checking them until something horrible happens. But and, yeah. and, and so everyone just kind of believes what they're saying or doing without really digging deeper. And I think that's a... Or if they don't, if they see a problem, they don't say it. They don't right. speak or up about say, it because right. they're afraid right. to or whatever because else. Because they yield so much power. Right. And, you know, that's when, uh, not to, I'm not trying to dog anybody, but we've had a number of prominent um, scandals, failures, whatever you want to call them. I, I don't know. Uh, but a few years ago, um, it was actually right before we moved into this building, uh, James McDonald was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the, embroiled in big scandals and fired from his church and broke up the network, all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that I said, and you may recall, I probably said it in the podcast, but I know you and I talked about it. One of my beefs at the time was if you didn't see this in him, when he talked about these tendencies, he talked about his sinful tendencies and his temptation toward pride and, and anger and, and, you know, bullying. He, he talked about it openly. How did you not see that? Well, one of the ways you didn't see it is you had like 50 elders. If you got a team of like 50 elders, I think it was like 47, 48. You have this many elders. You have no elders. I mean, that's a church. (laughs) So you need somebody who's able to speak into your life who actually knows what's going on and has some accountability. And it's one of the things that that I've always been, um, it sounds crass to say proud, but I've been proud of our elders at Real Life because uh, we don't have yes men, mm-hmm. you know, even though, you know, some of them are related to me uh, at various points. Most of them have been related to me as, you know, a small town, small church and so on, uh, big family. Uh, but as we've been going through it, there's nobody there that's afraid to speak up or speak their mind. And and so Say, hold up, wait we, a minute. Right, exactly. Right. So if, if it doesn't, if it doesn't line up with God's word, if it doesn't demonstrate the, um, you know, if if I'm doing things that are questionable, if I'm not living above reproach as an elder is called to, then that's going to be seen. It's going to be talked about. We're going to bring that out, uh, and that's true for for everyone on the council. And so we're, you know, again, we don't. I'm never going to say we got it. We have it all right. We're still like everybody else, trying to figure things out where there's gray area in scripture, where it's black and white. We want to try to make sure that we that we get it. 100% right. There's a lot of areas that God deliberately leaves gray. And so we want to um, use wisdom and prudence within that. But the, uh, the the thing that really stands out in chapter 18 is that God, God specifically prescribes the rewards for his servants, right? Here's how, how you're going to be compensated. Here's how I'm going to provide for you. But he does so in such a way that he starts with their accountability, that you're going to be responsible for these things. And there is this heavy burden that Aaron that Aaron and the Levites carry. Mm-hmm. The Levites have a heavy burden in being responsible for the holy things. But Aaron and the priests have a, a heavier responsibility. They're the only ones who get to offer these acts of worship. But 
in in so doing, they're also held more accountable for it. Right. And so, you know, we see even even back in in uh, Leviticus when when Aaron's sons, uh, his older two sons, are um, first made priests, and they offer the fire wrong to to kind of you know shorten up the story. Uh, they they bring this this unauthorized fire in worship. And the Lord strikes them dead. That's a pretty big accountability. You know, the, the rest of the group, they have to get corrected. And, and that's what the priests do. But when you're the one who's supposed to be doing the correcting, just like James said, we know that those who teach are held to a higher standard. You're, you're judged more harshly. And so that's a, a pretty big thing uh, among spiritual leaders and, and why that memory verse that that uh, we have from Hebrews 13 17 is such an important thing that as those who are submitting to to the authority of the leaders we do so recognizing that they are the whoever it is that God's appointed as leaders they have to give an account to God sure. and so as we submit to them we recognize that they are here to serve us for our good and God's glory and to the extent that we make that job easy, they already have a burden. We don't want to make it burdensome because I'm hard to work with, right. right? We want to bring God glory through that. And so all of these things come together in in, in how the body works, that, that those who are in authority serve. Those, those who serve in leadership need to, need to serve in leadership. They need to lead in serving. And that, that's a pretty big pretty big deal. They also need to be worshipers. And we see that picture in there. You can't, and we've talked about this even with the worship band. I can't perform. I have to lead. Right. I have to actually go into worship myself. Right. We'll stop there. I'm sorry. We talked so much about random junk. <laughs> we'll stop there for today. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, you guys know where to reach us and we will catch you next week, hopefully at our normal time, whatever that may whatever be at this point. Is. We'll catch you later. What is normal? <laughs>